On Monday, July 15, master weaver Christina Wirihana left Aotearoa to begin her residency at Evergreen State College Olympia in Washington, D.C. Known by many as Tina, she'll work closely with Northwest Coast weavers, researching, learning about techniques and other weaving forms. Raranga, or weaving, has had a rich history in Aotearoa, and as we've heard today from the likes of Nakaihanga Uku, the mighty collective of claymakers who have made the art form more accessible, so too have those who have left a legacy. In our archival segment, Natang recorded all from 1977, Fainata interviewed renowned master weaver Emily Schuster. The interview was recorded at a Māori Women's Welfare League conference in Wellington. Emily, could you tell us at what point in your life uh, you really became interested in uh, weaving and plaiting? And was there any uh, specific or particular person that uh, gave you this this interest in our Māori craft? Well, um, I've always done this kind of work in so much as that from the time I was born, this type of handcraft was always done within our family uh, circle. We had uh, the old people coming over to visit my mother and my aunt, and of course you may well remember that my auntie was Guy Rangi, and her crower was a carver, her aunties were weavers, and of course having a close family such as ours, it was always done within the home. Mm. So I can't remember at any one time when I was ever taught. You know, we were always given these things to do when we were little, and we grew up doing them. Mm. Um, could you give us examples of what type of work you uh, you were involved with uh, in your early days? Um, you know, the simpler types of, of weaving, or tell us what what you were involved with uh, in your in your childhood. Making roto, I suppose, would be teapot well, yes, and that type um, of thing. When the old people were always doing kits or fadigis or uh, pupus. Uh, we were always there to go and help them cut the flags and help them prepare it. And uh, certainly we were only very young at the time and there were the finer points that we were never allowed to do. But the basics and the preparation of the flags, that was part of what we had to do when we were children. Now, I, don't, I should say I had to do because there was only the one girl. I was the only female in the family, you know, the only female child. The other two were the boys, and of course I was always involved with flax from the very early stages of cutting from the bush, and I was always hovering around when the whole thing was completed. Mm. So then it was a gradual process from the simpler tasks in, in this uh, family uh, affair to uh, the more, well, shall we say, um, sophisticated types of, of weaving. Did the old people set you certain tasks at certain at a certain age and then when you got a bit older you were given uh, more sophisticated tasks to do no uh, no no there was no there's no what i suppose what a party would call streaming of the arts mm. as we as you know it now it was never like that we just grew up doing it and as you got older of course you progressed into a more advanced stage and then the tapu tapus relating to the type of craft you were doing were um, instilled in us, mm. and we we uh, valued that because that's your identity with what you were taught from your old people. Eh? You carry these things over, and a lot of these things that uh, 
sometimes forgotten by young people today. They vaguely remember them only in conversation, but was never applied in the family, whereas in my case, these things were always applied. There are certain times of the month that you can't do certain things. Mm. There are certain things you can't do on certain articles of and in certain stages of making. You can't apply certain patterns on certain things. There are some patterns that are not applied to kits, some patterns that are not applied to keys, And these were the things I was brought up to. Now, in today, we discuss these things, but we don't enforce. I don't enforce what I was taught, because tribally, we're all different. So in what we do today, we just keep to the easy basics of what is needed in the learning of to make an ordinary kono or roro or a kit. And this is how we've condensed our course such as the one we're conducting mm. here now. So then the weaving techniques uh, are the, the all-important things at the yes, moment. Yes, yes. Mm. Yeah. That's the most important. Mm. The finer points will, will come later uh, That's right. with, with the with development. The progress. Mm. 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 But I suppose in the, in, in the time when you were a child and you were uh, learning from the old people, there was a greater need for um, making of kits in the home and that type of thing. It was a different culture, can we say? Well, yes, the, the need in, in like the old... Like kits were, were, were in everyday use. That's right, uh, yes. There was so a purpose for the making, making a kit. Yes, yes. If, if, if they ran out of kits, well, you had to make kits. Mm. Because you haven't wanted kits mm. for gathering pippies and for kumaras and for anything. And because I, I think this is one thing, when, when we come into a course, we give a talk on the purpose of the course the reasons for these things, and then we go back and relate these things to how it it applied to the people of old. Eh? They mm. only made a thing for a purpose. Mm. You did. They didn't mass produce so that they could uh, trade or barter or even sell. Commercial attitude towards the things we make today was never ever thought of by the old people. Mm. But if they wanted a kit, so we went out and cut flax to make a kit because. The kids were all pakaru anyway, and they mm. wanted new ones. And so some of the family might have wanted a kit, so you made kits. Then if a marae wanted a whaiiki, they went out, prepared the flax. But there was a need for the thing that they wanted then. Today, it's slightly different. Mm. Right. What do you see the role of the kit today and the role of the whaiiki? Is it more a, oh, well, a conversation no. <laughs> piece? And, uh, no, no. Um, how do, how because there was such a, a long gap from the old people to the present-day woman, no. Mm -hmm. There's uh, and and in a lot of cases in a lot of the areas such as Wellington and Dunedin and Auckland places we've been to, where the Maori woman has moved away for economic reasons, eh? they've moved to the city, and they've lost contact with the marae and the old people. Now this big gap between their move to the time of wanting to learn about themselves now. Uh, it's not a talking point anymore. It's a real deep need and, oh, I don't know, you can't explain the feeling, but it's something they know of themselves. Mm. That it's part of it, their heritage, it's part of which, their heritage. which That's they're, right. they're gradually losing in, and in so the And so they city. want to know how to do these things, even the basic techniques, and they can relate themselves to when their queer was alive. Mm. And so it's not, it's not a talking point, it's a real deep desire mm. to know how to do these things. They all admit that they had the best teacher in the world when they had their queer. Mm. But they but didn't take they notice didn't of take, her no. at the time. That's right. I see. It's, it seems to be a, 
a cry that a lot of uh, our people are making today. Um, in your role as an instructor, is it, at the Institute of yes. Arts in um, Rotorua, you travel to city centres to meet groups such as you're meeting with in, in Wellington to, to revive this interest in the, in the weaving arts? Well, uh, let me start from the beginning. Uh, I was employed by the Institute as um, a teacher to teach the craft back to the Maori women. Uh, when we first started there, we had to run test courses to see as to which way would be the best to get the teaching across to the Maori women. So we conducted test courses at the Institute, and for three years we got good response. And we conducted these courses about six times a year. But we found that it was gradually a waning because because the women were uh, finding it difficult to attend the institute and be away from home mm. for three weeks, because that was the length of time we had the course. Can you see your, yourself going back into the country areas where the old people have sort of come in oh, to, to follow their families into the cities, you know, going right back into the what, what used to be known as the seats of Māori, yeah. you know, uh, and going back and teaching them because all the old people have come into the cities. Can you see this? <laughs> well, we're doing yourself? that now. Yeah, we really are. Mm. Uh, this is now running into our fourth year of travelling out every other week into some centre. And it don't, doesn't relate just to cities. We've gone into isolated areas, into the uh, Matamata area, way back into the Douglas Bar, Tangata Marae, and we go back onto the Malay situations. And it always happens that way. Mm. So I say, we've covered almost the whole of the uh, North and South Island. We've been as far north as Waitangi and all points in between right down to Balclutha. Kaitangata in Balclutha was responsible for inviting us there. Mm. And uh, we go on to the Marae in, in, certain, in a lot of the areas. Now, only because we're in Wellington here, and this particular league has no Marae in the sense of the word, so this is now marae for this whole week here mm. at Pendinus. But uh, when we go into a marae, like at Pātea, we were at the Waiōturi, that marae there. We go to Tangata, we've been to Porangaho, we've been to Takaraka, we've been to Wairo and stayed at Taiho, we've been way up north and stayed at uh, the Tiriti or Waitangi there. And all in those marae situations, it's beautiful because apart from teaching the women, the elders come in and they sit, they actually tangi when they see their mokopunas learning to make a kit or learning to, to tāniko. And after a while, when they see what is being done, they talk about what happened when they were children. Now, this is the interesting thing, and it binds the community closer, because a lot of the young people today don't know their own history. Mm. And when the pakekes come in, and they, they talk about the history, and then they relate to certain carved panels and what it means. We are the, uh, we are the learners, too, in a sense. Kia ora, an archive recording there from 1977 from the programme Hereringa Kōrero. The interviewer was Whaingata, who spoke to renowned weaver Emily Schuster. Now, Emily did go on to set up the weaving school at the Māori Arts and Crafts Institute in Rotorua, known today as Te Puya. The current head weaver is Emily's daughter, Edna Pahiwa. 
Emily Schuster passed away in 1997.